It's Saturday, October the 2nd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Merck's new COVID drug and California's mandate for schoolchildren. First, the week in brief. Merck, an American pharmaceutical giant, said that it plans to seek emergency authorization for the first antiviral pill for COVID-19. The drug reduced the risk of hospitalization and death by half in patients at risk of serious disease in a study of interim clinical trial results. Rivals Pfizer and Roche are also in the race to develop a medicine that could help treat COVID-19 patients without the need for a hospital visit. President Joe Biden went to Capitol Hill to play dealmaker among his fellow Democrats, whose squabbling over his $3.5 trillion social spending package postponed the passage of a bipartisan infrastructure bill. The delay suits the party's left-wing contingent, who wants to ensure that the bigger bill makes its way through as well, even as they acknowledge that its final price tag must come down. At the same time, Congress needs to avert the risk of a sovereign default this month, and then that of a government shutdown in December. California's governor, Gavin Newsom, ordered America's first statewide vaccine mandate for schoolchildren. As early as next fall, August 2022, provided the Food and Drug Administration has approved it, Californian youngsters will need to be jabbed before enrolling in public or private schools. As America marked 700,000 deaths due to COVID-19, its toll is increasingly concentrated in southern states with lower rates of vaccination. Manny Pacquiao, a former world champion boxer, formally filed his candidacy to become the next president of the Philippines. Rodrigo Duterte, the firebrand incumbent, is constitutionally barred from seeking a second term in next year's election, though he is running for vice president instead. Sara Duterte Carpio, Mr. Duterte's daughter, remains the favourite, despite her ruling out any intention to run. India's government denied reports that Air India, the country's troubled flag carrier, had been sold to Tata Sons, which launched the airline's first incarnation in 1932. Bloomberg reported that Tata's bid beat one from the boss of Spicejet, a local low-cost carrier. The government has been trying to shed one of its most distinctive and indebted assets for years. Consumer spending in America rose by 0.8% in August from the previous month. Shoppers spent less on new cars thanks to a slump in production because of the global shortage of semiconductors and travel, but more on household supplies. Meanwhile, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index The Federal Reserve's preferred measure of inflation climbed by 4.3% in the year to August, well above the central bank's 2% target. A judge ruled that Alex Jones, an American radio show host and conspiracy theorist, owes damages to the families of two children killed in a school shooting in Sandy Hook, Connecticut in 2012. They sued him for defamation. He lost because he refused to provide information requested by the court. A jury will decide how much he and other defendants owe. And word of the week. She session. Noun. A jobs downturn that hits women disproportionately. 
And now, here's today's agenda. Shell phones. Mother of Pearl reinforces screens. One of the small indignities of modern life is a smashed smartphone screen. The eternal dilemma is whether to fork out for a replacement or peer through spiderwebbed glass. But shattered screens could be a much rarer occurrence. Bioengineers reporting in Science, a journal, have invented a super strong glass inspired by nature. Specifically, they looked to the humble mollusk, whose inner shell linings of mother of pearl, or nacre, are 3,000 times tougher than their constituent parts. The new composite is a lattice of acrylic and glass flakes that mimics nacre's structure. Under stress, it behaves like plastic. It is three times stronger and five times more fracture-resistant than ordinary glass. And although it is naturally opaque, one additional ingredient brings it to just 16% less visibility than ordinary window glass. With further tweaks to boost transparency and conductivity, its applications could go beyond phone screens. Biomimicry, or nicking nature's ideas, scores again. One to remember. My name is Paulie Murray. Before many of America's best-known civil rights activists, there was Paulie Murray. She was, among other things, a lawyer, poet and priest, most active during the 1950s. But perhaps the most remarkable aspect of Murray's life is how, despite her enormous impact on the civil rights movement, she remains relatively unknown. A new documentary tries to rectify that. Released on Amazon Prime Video on Friday, My Name is Paulie Murray examines the life and ideas of this trailblazer. The film includes interviews with figures such as the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who put into practice Murray's idea of using the 14th Amendment to fight sex-based discrimination. It also highlights Murray's coinage of the term, quote, Jane Crow, to refer to the oppression she faced, not just as an African-American, but as a woman too. Even that phrase does not fully encompass Murray's influence, for her lifelong struggle with her own gender identity has since inspired many LGBT activists. Into the Abyss The World Freediving Championships Freediving is one of the most abnormal things a person can do in the name of sport. Freedivers have no tanks or tubes. They see and explore the world underwater for as long as they can manage on a single breath. For elite freedivers, such as those competing at the World Championships in Cass, Turkey, which begin this weekend, this can be an extraordinarily long time. Sahaik Ershimon, a Turkish world record holder appearing at Cass, routinely plans dives that last three minutes to reach depths of 90 metres or more. Practicing breathing techniques on land, she is able to slow her heart and metabolic rates when she enters the water. She draws oxygenated blood away from her extremities and towards her lungs, which are compressed to a fraction of their usual size. She does so while descending into an unearthly space largely devoid of light and sound. Not for the faint-hearted. The saga continues. 
The People's Princess on Stage 24 years after her death, the cult of Diana, Princess of Wales, remains fervid. Biographies and tell-all memoirs are regularly published. A new statue was unveiled outside Kensington Palace, her former home, this summer. On screen, Diana's sudden unhappy marriage was dramatised in a recent season of The Crown, to the reported ire of the royal family. Her overexposed life and untimely death has also been turned into a play, Diana the Musical, which begins performances on Broadway next month. On Friday, Netflix released a filmed version of the production, recorded during the pandemic. The musical, which some critics have praised for its playfulness and ironic tone, and others have found to be uneven and jarringly American, tells Diana's life story with the help of songs such as Secrets and Lies and Only the Monarchy is on the Line. If that hasn't sated fans' appetites for tales about the people's princess, Spencer, a biopic starring Kristen Stewart, will be released in America and Britain on November 5th. Saturday Profile Vanessa Nakate, Ugandan Climate Activist This week in Milan, Vanessa Nakate addressed a group of 400 young delegates who were gathered to discuss climate change. The global crisis is already proving deadly in her home country, she said. She described how, a few days before in Kampala, Uganda's capital, she had passed a body in the street of someone who had drowned in a sudden downpour. Monsoons have always been deadly, but the 24-year-old activist sees greater, quote, loss and damage in Uganda than in most places. The country, she said, is suffering from unusually intense change. Then she lambasted leaders of far more powerful countries, the ones who loftily discuss mitigation and adaptation, but who fail to deliver a promised $100 billion a year fund to help poor places cope. On sitting down, Miss Nakate burst into tears. The Ugandan activist was inspired by another young woman seeking global change. Two years ago, fresh from university, she vowed to emulate Greta Thunberg, a Swedish climate campaigner who stirred up students to strike on Fridays while demanding action on the climate. Miss Nakate began protesting in Kampala and got others to join her. Her family and many others supported her, though, perhaps inevitably, unkind strangers, including some on social media, sniped, mocked or criticised her as an attention seeker. The nastiest said she was prostituting herself or was on drugs. Mr. Carte continues to speak up to ever larger audiences. She is a regular at international get-togethers, including in New York, Madrid and now Milan. Last year she was in Davos at the World Economic Forum with four other young activists, including Miss Thunberg. When a news agency published a photo from the event and she, the only black woman, was cropped out, she suspected discrimination. Worse, she says, the act was indicative of wider neglect. Quote, those who are at the front lines of the climate crisis, they're not on the front pages of the world's newspapers. Later this month, in Glasgow, Scotland, political leaders will gather, supposedly to pledge more serious efforts to tackle climate change. May Miss Nakate's voice be heard loudly. 
Finally, here's the quote of the day from August Wilson, who died on this day in 2005. The simpler you say it, the more eloquent it is. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.